Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Welcome to the podcast. We are talking to a great friend and colleague based in Virginia Beach, Virginia, Orland Stauffer, a creative consultant with many decades of experience. Welcome to the podcast, Orland. Hello, Craig. I'm so happy to be here. You bet. The last time that Orland and I, uh, I think, saw each other, we went out to P.F. Chang's for dinner with his lovely wife, Linda, and his son, Aaron. And we laughed and then realized we'd been there for two or three hours. It was time to go home. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of finishing each other's sentences, I believe. There you go. My brother from another mother. That's there right. Really good. Well, what a, part of the treat and the delight of having Orlin as one of our guests today is the fact that he has a wonderful perspective of both church and mission and media sort of the confluence of all three of those. I just wanted to use the word confluence. It sounds like a really yeah. <laughs> important uh, erudite word, the confluence of uh, church, missions, and media. For uh, t Tell our audience a little bit of where you got your start uh, in, in media back in the day. Well, I was always creative. I've never left anything like I found it. You know, I've repainted my bicycle. I pinstripe cars. I, you know, as a kid, I was te a teenager painting signs and decorating antique furniture. And I just had a knack for making everything look better. Um, and as I uh, got out of high school, I started working as a sign maker. And then when long the Jesus movement came along and uh, I ended up designing the stage for Jesus 73 and just, you know, I was only 20 and CBN came. Tell people, the, tell, tell people what, what CBN is. Christian Broadcasting Network is a global um, network, ba basically uh, producing the 700 Club and news and that sort of thing. But back then they were a, uh, it was the 700 Club with Pat Robertson. And they came to... Um, film this massive first of its kind Christian gathering uh, during the Jesus revolution of the early 70s in Pennsylvania. And they were going to have this big rally and they were just going to use farm wagons as a stage. And I said, oh, no, nothing doing. It's got to look better. <laughs> and I ended up designing this massive word, Jesus, shaped like a, the, the ark. And as a backdrop and we used some semi trailers for the stage and we hired a audio company. Anyway, CBN came and filmed that. I ended up being their set designer for 10 years. I worked there designing sets for the 700 club and for music and that sort of thing. And then I left there in, um, let's see, that would have been 1990 I be, or 1980. I began working for my own, myself designing scenery. I had a company called East Coast Scenic and uh, we built scenery for lots of different ministries around the country. Um, but I got a real heart for missions. I had a, a mentor of mine 
who was a missionary to Mexico, and I began taking teams down to support him. Well, I got bit to really serve the Lord in missions, and we took short-term teams out all over the world to different places, and I ended up working at a church, um, Kempsville Presbyterian, in uh, 1991. I began there and began a, a work in, uh, well, we were supporting by that about that time about 29 missionaries. And again, I got a real global perspective. Um, was, was, was it that the church was supporting them? Were you supporting them? The, uh, kind of a mix of both? Oh, yeah. Well, I was the person, the staff member, the mission director, implementing the church's support of all of these that were sent out. Um, it was a small church. Well, it was a church of about a 2,000. And um, we were supporting missionaries in hard to reach places in uh, places I can't even name right now, but, uh, but uh, they, we were beginning a work in a Middle Eastern uh, nation as well that you and I know very well and um, became very strategic in starting church planting movements. So anyway, I became, I laid aside my graphic business and started serving the church. Well, that was 1990. At that time, the church was using the hymnals to sing. Of course, there were songs appearing from the Jesus movement that weren't in hymnals. So we were printing song sheets that we stuck in the pews that were saying, okay, this song isn't in the hymnal. This song is on page such and such of uh, this little dinky painted piece we had stuck in there. Well, we got around that after a while by using a slide projector with a carousel of slides that we would have the words printed on film and stuck in slides. And we would have a slide projector that some poor kid would be given the job of keeping after the worship leader and finding the verses and the, um, the clips of the songs. Well, we got a pastor in 1996 that was using something called PowerPoint and he wanted a projector. Well, they needed somebody to make all that happen. And because I used to work at CBN and because I had a, a real creative tilt, I um, was chosen <laughs> to make all this happen and get the projector in. Well, the projector went the end of it. It was only the beginning. And I became I guess you would call a pioneer or an immigrant in the world of Christian media communications. Um, I had to learn as I was going. I had a passion to reach the world and I really saw the value in seeing how media can capture a message and make it go further and last longer and be more um, uh, impactful through visuals. You were ahead of your time on that, weren't you? Yeah, I think I was. Uh, there were only a few other churches. I know we took a lot of cues from uh, Ginghamsburg United Methodist in Dayton, Ohio. And um, they, we went, they started doing some of that work and it was still odd. It was, it was, uh, it was new to churches and we became, I guess the, some of the first, I actually remembered that we actually held seminars at our church for how churches can start using media. Well, I was not that experienced, but I was more experienced than some of the others that were coming. 
And so that's how I fell into it. I know this is the long version of uh, my story, but I became, I, I, I call myself an immigrant in the world of Christian media. Ah, what uh, a great term. What does that mean? Yeah. Oh, well, I wasn't native born. Today, our teens, you know, you can grab any teenager, any young person, even millennials that can just, they just dive right into it. My son, Aaron, he didn't have to, it's a natural to him. It's like it's baked in his DNA, uh, in his uh, psyche. Uh, how to get online, how to manage social media, how to leverage it. Very creative uh, in that way. I had to, you know, I was picking it up as I went and made a lot of mistakes, of course, and it was embarrassing. But my thing was, my passion that drove me was, uh, I had a, a mission, a heart for missions, and I wanted to move the gospel outside the walls of the church. And uh, Christian Broadcasting was doing it, but uh, I felt like it's, it's incumbent on the church to be the purveyors of the gospel. And the church had grown comfortable keeping it in the church. Right. I made myself learn it, you know, learn. And it, but then it became so multidimensional. It was so hard for me to keep up um, with what was going on. And I started pulling in others and I started building a team and I realized it took a team. And I started realizing, you know what? We have a worship band we need to make a media band that plays in harmony, practices together, learns together, respects one another's skills. One guy's a drummer, one guy is the trumpeter, one guy is the keyboardist, and then you got the vocalist. And I realized I couldn't do this myself. And I started uh, making media a desirable mission and ministry in the church. I remember the days and back then and even today and so many times, if you can't preach, you can't teach, you can't sing or perform, well, you just have to be in the audience, you know, you just be an attendee. But I believe the church is starting to realize, and if they don't, they need to, to realize they need to be as diligent and as ambitious about building a media band as they are about their worship band and invest in them and train them and equip them and nurture them, give them room to make mistakes, give them room to move ahead and learn and be well equipped. But again, I, I wanted to see, I wanted to be a vessel that would deliver the message of our church beyond our customary quote, air quotes, worship service. Right. And how do we do that? And, uh, my passion is to empower worship leaders, teachers, and church members who work so hard to make their message deliverable on a Sunday morning or in a teaching session that it can go further and last longer and use their media. You know, we're the keepers of the greatest story ever told. True. You know, you're, you're very early in what would be Christian media or faith-based media in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, there really weren't a lot of places to go learn that in colleges. It, it began to grow a bit. Was Did you experience any kind of pushback either from within the church or other churches? Oh, what my were, goodness. To what you were trying to do? What kind of pushback did you <laughs> did you uh, experience that, uh, that doesn't mean blood on the floor? How about that? <laughs> yeah, well, there was. The worst thing was we had a pipe organ in the church up front that some of the church, the founders of the church invested heavily in. Well, Craig, the pipes are no longer being used by they're long 
been disabled, but they were still there uh, because they, they were impossible to keep tuned with all the different climate changes and all. Well, we moved them to make room for the screens. And we had people leave the church because oh, I of believe, that. I bet. Yeah, it was sad. We still had the organ, but it wasn't, nobody knew how to play the organ anymore. We had a worship um, music ministry staff member, a woman who was approaching her 80s that was there and she played it well. But when she retired, the organ was just like an icon and it made the church look nice because it was a pretty decorative element. <laughs> I felt bad and I was the bad guy, but there were enough people in, and I had the pastor's support, which was so good. The pastor stood by me and um, we broke through, but that was just one story. There were others. Um, the big thing was the budget, you know, of course. Um, we don't want to take away our mission budget to, to invest in media. Well, I was telling them, well, that is our mission. The world is, we're, we're in a post-literate culture. People aren't reading. They, they want to ex be in an environment that inspires and enlightens them and that we can create visual ways to stimulate learning and worship and what is it you learn? It's like thousands of times more rapidly by visual than by spoken, strictly spoken word. Right. You could not. You could not have imagined, nor could I, in the '90s or even the '80s when you were doing uh, graphics, have your own graphics company, yeah. that we would have the internet that we have today and oh smartphones like we have today. And all of these platforms, the ma vast majority of them are free. Facebook, yeah. uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, yeah. et cetera. That yeah, these would all be uh, platforms and vehicles or pathways uh, to tell visual storytelling. That yeah. must have been, you. I don't think we saw it, but here we are. No, no. Yeah, this is where I want to go with what I want to talk about today. But I was going to give some background here as well before I roll into that because yes it is so accessible and you know the idea that you have to be a pro that you have to have multi thousands of dollars worth of gear and lighting and skills you know it used to be if you were in nashville or hollywood or new york and in some places atlanta and dallas you really were an outsider to the world of broadcasting and media that's no longer the case. It has become so collective, so people-oriented. But I, I wanted to give a foundation here a little bit to all of this. And because the big thing right now is we need the mandate to be driven home that every believer is a communicator. And it's not just the spoken word. I was uh, reminded of, what is it, Acts? I think it's Acts 111. Jesus had just told them, you know, you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And that was so exciting. And then he ascended. And what did it say? They were looking up. I wish I knew how long. And it doesn't say how long they were gazing into the heavens. Jesus had disappeared above out in a cloud up and up. And I guess they thought, well, I'm, 
is he coming back down? What goes up must come down. Uh, they were gazing. And it took the appearance of heavenly angels. There was two men appeared among them and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? Some translations say gazing. So this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Can you imagine what was in their minds? They had just spent three years with the most extraordinary man that ever lived. They had been given a commission. They had been given a message and a commission. And they're looking up in the heavens. And I think today we're still a little bit like that as a church. We're gazing into the heavens. And they, we need a voice from heaven to come down and speak to us and say, why are you looking into the sky? And I think the church is in that way. The church is rich with the events. We, these guys have been with Jesus. We have been in the church. We've seen miracles. We've, we've learned hours and hours of Bible teaching from gifted pastors. We've, we have stories that can change a life if it was ever told. And I feel like anyone with communication skills has an obligation. The church is rich with events and experiences and knowledge and teachings, years and years of it. Collectively, we have a, a tremendous heritage, a tremendous collection. It's a, it's a bank of, of valuable messages and stories. The fact is that we've become a bank. We've held them behind our walls. And I think those are the stories that need to be told just like the disciples had that wonderful story of Jesus and they had to be told, get out there, make it accessible, make it understandable, make it acceptable by those who are not a part of your group, those who are distant from God. Great time talking to creative consultant Orlin Stauffer. Hope you join us next episode. We'll learn some more and pick up where we left off. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.